This is Linux Unplugged, episode 491, our 2023 predictions episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to your weekly Linux talk show. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. And my name is Brent. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. Coming up. We're about to own up to our 2022 predictions, see how we scored. And then we'll get into 2023. We're going to tell you what's going to happen before it even happens. We're never wrong about these things. No, never. This is a special episode where you could just listen to this episode and skip next year. I always tell you, you just follow up with the next predictions episode, see what happened, see what didn't. Uh, do still download the MP3s, though, for us. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> also, I want to say good morning to our friends over at Tailscale. Tailscale.com. It's a mesh VPN protected by WarGuard. We love it. It'll build a mesh network of all your machines. Go say good morning and try it for free up to 20 devices at tailscale.com. So before we get into the show, let's say time-appropriate greetings to our Mumble Room. Good morning, Mumble. Hello. Hello, guys. Hello. Aloha. Aloha. You know what? We've got a decent little showing in there, considering the fact that this is an off-schedule episode. Totally off-schedule, yeah. A little weird, recording at a time for the holidays, as it were. And uh, what we like to do for the new listeners out there is once a year, we like to kind of take a look ahead and see where the trends may be leading and try to guess at how that's going to impact Linux and the free software world. And to kind of keep us honest, we also start with a review of how we did for our last year, current year predictions. I'm nervous already. Uh, yeah. So, Wes, why don't we start with you? Because I really liked your predictions, actually, in retrospect. I was looking at the rest of ours, and all of ours were kind of like required research and verification, <laughs> and like we're a little too loose and nebulous. And you just you just swung for like all the way up as hard as you could, and you just you took a crack at that ball, and they were really obvious. And I like I like where you're going, but they were clear and distinct. So, your first prediction last year, I'll uh, replay from 2021. I predict that in 2022, Canonical will announce a Flutter-based desktop environment. Nope. No. No. I mean, they've made good progress on the, that installer, right? They've got the store, but uh, no desktop. I feel like there's still time. They've got, what, three, four days? It could happen. I guess he could do it on New Year's Eve. Let's be honest, though. If you're going to release a Flutter-based desktop, the best time to release that would be April Fool's. I could see it coming through in a couple of years. You know, I think that does tend to happen. We we set these with a one-year time horizon just to make it, you know, have, have it be fair. But you go back and listen a couple a couple years ago, and I think more of our predictions start coming true. That's true. We're often early. Because to us, it seems like it could happen any day now. <laughs> we get a little overexcited, maybe. I don't think this one necessarily starts playing out until Genome starts failing to deliver. Like when they as a project are no longer meeting what Canonical needs out of a desktop, then they have to move on. And what they have right now is a nice situation where they've sort of defocused the desktop a bit. They can kind of just let the Genome project run all of that and they can kind of take a step back and just package it, package it up for their customers, meet some of their customers requirements and not really have to have the huge scale of team that might be required to build their own desktop environment. Yeah, I mean, I suppose in that case. Here's hoping this prediction doesn't come true, except, you know me, I like a little chaos. All right, well, we'll see where you end up for uh, next year, but let's review your, your last prediction. So we'll go back in time one more time. So in December of 2021, you had a prediction about my laptop. I predict that in 2022, Chris will be using OpenSUSE Tumbleweed on his laptop. Okay. So this is tricky <laughs> because I think you could look at it in two ways. You could look at total time spent on my laptop, right. which would go to Nick's. Or you could look at what's on my dev one right now, which is Tumbleweed. <laughs> so like, I kind of feel like you should get it. If only because of how I think, you know, we had that early year Tumbleweed energy and then how like, I think relatively impressed we were once again, just recently. That's true. That's true. We looked at it again and we were like, yep, still good. In fact, gotten better even. It's, it's, you can tell it's gotten even better since we looked at it. So I think uh, you got a wiener right there, Wes. Congratulations, sir. You got one. It's been a while. I feel like this prediction is also distinctly astute considering he like predicted that at this very moment you would have it on your laptop, which is quite the prediction, I think. None of us had Nick's on the radar, though. No. 
I think it's artificially set in stone. He forced OpenSUSE upon you. <laughs> oh, Nev is proposing that this was all part of a master West Payne plan. I believe uh, all is fair in predictions. I guess either way, it turned out. That's right. <laughs> okay, Brentley, you had uh, an interesting prediction. I, th- I, th- I think maybe we felt like it was a lock at the time. You had one for the Ubuntu desktop. In 2022, Ubuntu will snap by default another major Linux desktop application, either LibreOffice or Thunderbird. I don't think that's happened. You know, I had to look into it this morning, and luckily they make that very, very clear on packages.ubuntu.com when you search for it. Firefox has a big banner that says transition package, and they make it clear that it's a snap package by default. And um, it turns out Neither Thunderbird nor LibreOffice have that note, and uh, we haven't heard very much in that direction at all. So I feel like, womp womp, I didn't do very well on this one. They spent most of this year attempting to improve the performance of a cold start of applications for Snap. And they like they made, what, two or three blog posts this year about it? Yeah, the interesting thing there, right, is once they ship a major application that has a lot of users, all of a sudden, there's a lot of work that needs to go into Snap. Isn't that interesting? And so I think I think if that hadn't happened, your prediction may have had a good shot. It seemed likely at the time. And if you were to make this prediction again later today, I, 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 I wouldn't give you a hard time at all. I could still see it happening. So unfortunately, it just was a miss. Yeah, it did feel to me like they were trending in that direction, but I can't predict the future. All right. Well, the deck was hot on everyone's mind when we recorded last year's episode and you made this prediction. Steam's Linux monthly usage stats from Gaming on Linux will double to 2.32% at some point throughout 2022. Now, how did this do, Brentley? I know you had to look this one up, too. Again, like, your and my predictions all required pretty much research. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's actually nice because you could prove whether or not it happened. And I remember specifically we chose Gaming on Linux as the source for these things because they can waver from one source to the other. I did do some research, and I don't think I got there. Currently, the best data we have, which is the same as last year's November's data, currently 1.44%. So not the 2.32% I was looking for. Still up a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and now the deck's really just getting more generally available, too. You can actually order one and receive it within a reasonable amount of time now. You know, I did notice that on the last data point, so from October to November, there was a quite a large spike in usage from 1.28 in October to 1.44. So that's like a 12.5% increase, which is something. So I feel like, you know, just maybe it's trending up in the direction of my prediction. But I think since the data is there, we don't have the data for December. I got to say, I think I failed this one too. Uh, you know, it was tough to say. It's It could have been a ludicrous prediction. It could have been a undershoot depending on how the deck sales ramped up and imagine if we hadn't had supply chain issues and they could have produced the deck in quantities that they're doing just now maybe even six months ago these numbers could have been in a different place and that's just sort of outside our control so again if you were to make this prediction again this year i'd i'd kind of find that reasonable (laughs) all right I, i sort of feel that way about my next prediction so my turn here i think i blew this one in a couple of ways i'm just gonna say that up front i got the language wrong And I got the timing wrong on this one. But I thought by this point, towards the end of the year, it would be possible for a pay-for-what-you-want or donate model for apps on Flathub. All right, I'm going to lock that in then. I'm going to say that in 2022, Flathub will feature sponsored applications. I shouldn't have said sponsored because that wasn't my intention, but I was trying to make it quick and snappy there. We do have a lot of progress towards this. I got so damn close on this one. So just a couple of weeks after that episode aired on the Flathub discourse, a post went live. The title was Ideas on Growing the Flathub Community in 2022. And in there, they talk about hiring contractors to build, amongst many things, payments rails for Flathub. Just a couple of weeks after that episode. Then, as time went on, we saw a mock-up from uh, a GNOME community member uh, Tobias, who showed what the payments might look like for a Flathub application in line of GNOME software. We just saw this just a few weeks ago, even. This is as of like 19 days ago. This is getting shared around. This is a little bit older than that, but it was being shared around just as recently as 19 days ago. 
So my hopes were high because I was seeing these things get shared. I knew they'd hired contractors. And in fact, my friends, if you go to beta.flathub.org and you look at certain applications, there is now along the install button, a donate button. And this donate button depends on like what implementation the vendor has. And sometimes it's like to their existing crowdfunding campaign. Sometimes it's just integrating Stripe. Seems to be there's more experimentation happening there. However, as it stands right now, that version of GNOME software with those mockups showing the ability to buy applications isn't shipped. And on the production FlatHub site, you cannot contribute to the individual applications at this point in time. You can if you go to beta.flathub.org, but not at regular old flathub.org. I like this because this prediction, I mean, okay, yeah, you didn't get it, but it's making me excited for 2023. I know. You're so Just within like a stone's throw, guys. Like it could be like literally next month they flip the switch on this or something. I thought you were going to have this one because I remember that like three weeks later, this was starting to come true. And I was sure the rest of the year was going to be enough time to, to well test that and have it out in production. But geez, some things we just can't control. I know. And I'm excited for it. And uh, I'd love to see a pay pay what you like model as well for some of these applications. I know that's a lot. There's a lot of things they're trying to support. I'll be happy with anything. But if I could shoot for the stars, it'd be also some of these apps are pay for what you want. Up to the developer, I think would be perfect. Okay, so my next prediction. um, I think this one's up for debate, you guys. Again, totally different place last year than we are right now. And this prediction definitely feels a little old. In 2022, an open source project will use NFTs or an NFT alone to raise funds. I think this is debatable. Uh, There were a couple of different goes at this. What what I didn't say is that they'd raise a lot of money. (laughs) I just said they'd try. (laughs) Alberto Rodora, I think is how you say it. uh, He's from Spain and he tried it. He minted 314 NFTs and donated the proceeds to open source projects. And the idea was you can fund open source by buying geeky open source related images that you could use for your profiles on Mastodon and on Twitter and things like that. And he, his whole premise was you get, this is actually from his blog. He says, you get a cute profile picture to use in the metaverse. The community you like gets donations and I am able to contribute more on open source projects. It is a win, win, win. Others have tried this as well. I don't think anybody raised a lot of money. And now at the end of uh, 2022, it looks ridiculous. And I don't even want the association with NFTs. I do kind of think that there is a little bit of something to this model of you contribute to an open source project and you get something back. You know, you could go to the matrix.org site and you could buy a matrix hoodie and they get a couple of bucks in theory and you get a hoodie. I don't like that model. See that the nice thing about the NFT. And by the way, I don't like NFTs, but I'm just saying the nice thing is it doesn't say the matrix.org, right? If I could donate something to me, if I could, as a membership, like a $10 a month membership to matrix.org. And as a result, I had a profile picture that had like a, you know, a dot on it that said contributor. That might be an incentive to contribute, right? There is a way to incentivize contributions to open source projects where the community members get something in return that's digital. Then that doesn't cost the project a whole bunch of production to do like a hoodie. That, that there's a large expense associated with that. Right. But a digital good of some kind doesn't cost the project anything necessarily, at least once it's been created and could in theory be produced in a pretty automated way. Right. I mean, you already see stuff like uh, special promotions. You get, Oh, a limited time. Well, we'll have this sort of swag that you can get, but only if you donate now or whatever. And yeah, but if you did it, if you just have to want some sort of little clever digital item that actually has, you know, some sort of meaning to you, even if it's not value per se. It doesn't have to be an NFT to make that work, right? Like in the eons gone by, like I used to donate and get like little artwork badges or emblems or whatever that I could use on stuff. It didn't have to boil the ocean to do it. Or the example we've talked about before on the show, the ButterFS tester badge for Fedora. And that works. And the thing is, like one of the dumb things about NFTs is that you generally just are buying a URL to a JPEG that sits on a HTTP Uh. endpoint that could eventually go away. And we, in this bear market, we've seen several endpoints just disappear and the JPEGs are no longer loadable. They 404. So that's silly. But if what you're investing is a project, 
and you know you want a badge for that project or something like that if that's what motivates you to donate it's worth it because like we were talking on the pre-show for the members matrix.org is having a really tough go at it right now and they've just had to announce layoffs because they're not getting enough funding and i'm just trying to think what could they do to get average users who are just in there using as a chat app that don't need their ems service what could you get them to do to pay i don't know if it's an nft but something like that so what do we think people tried it don't think it necessarily moved the needle but it was attempted now the prediction didn't necessarily state an amount of money that had to be raised but i think the spirit of the prediction was some money would be raised with an nft yeah based on the uh open sea here it doesn't look like the one you cited for instance i don't think any of them sold all right all right i wouldn't think so you know, because who's this guy, right? It needs to be from yeah. the project. It needs to be associated with the project. It needs to be an initiative. And it probably needs to be not an NFT because that's done, I think. Feels feels a little tainted. Well, Chris, I feel like had you worded this just a little differently, you might have totally nailed it. Like if it was just not NFTs, which now we know was a bit of a face, and just maybe cryptocurrency in general, I think you would have nailed it because that actually is happening quite a bit. Yeah, one of the most interesting initiatives, I think, is OpenSats. That's fascinating. It's funded multiple open source projects. Uh, speaking of that, uh, the ref couldn't join us because I didn't tell him until the last minute. But Joe was going to be here to uh, referee and uh, make uh, amends for his prediction. But since he's not here, I'll play it and uh, we'll chat about it. I predict that at some point in 2022, Bitcoin will be worth more than $1 million. Well, that didn't happen. That is a that's that's a good example of one you don't that's not very hard to figure out. People are keeping records for us of that already. I think if you look back, the signs were there. So the Fed began tightening policy in November of last year after 14 years of pretty easy money for Wall Street. And as soon as that began to happen and the price of money went up as interest rates went up, everybody went risk off. And so tech stocks went down. In fact, <laughs> this is unbelievable. Tech lost, so far, in the last 12 months, $7.4 trillion in value in the market. We just didn't see that coming. That's unbelievable. That's seven times like the size of the crypto market. And like the crypto market was like $1.2 trillion or something like that when the, when the market began to turn. And so Bitcoin, as the price of everything else went down, and especially risk assets, Bitcoin went down. Greater macro conditions sort of dictate that because... If there's no flow, if, if all of a sudden money goes from flowing fast and easy to slow, then there's just not money to go into these things. But in that time, to your point, Brent, the Lightning Network grew exponentially. Boosts have seen major adoption in the down market. When we started taking boosts at the beginning of last year, there was 4,000 podcasts. As we wrap up this year, there's now 10,000 podcasts nice. that are doing the boosts. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And of course, to be at the top of that list... Uh, several weeks has been has been very humbling, but really good sign to see that. Really nice to see that continue to grow out. Yeah, that kind of tooling, even yeah, even during this uh, downturn, yeah. absolutely. But I would say nay on that one. Uh, and then our editor in chief, Mister Drew, had a couple of predictions, and this one I really feel like could have could have been a could have been a possibility. This one feels like this one was again going to happen or just totally wasn't going to be a thing i predict that in 2022 an attack against the log 4j exploit will result in greater than 100 million dollars in damages against a single business it seemed possible right as, as we were recording on december 16th 2021 cnn ran the following headline the log 4j security flaw could impact the entire internet here's what you need to know but looking into it i found an article that summarizes the last year of log 4j news Nice. And this went out on December 8th of this year. And it doesn't really seem to have been a big issue. In fact, the thing that they touch on is that most companies have been struggling to just figure out where in their stack they were using the software that was impacted by this. Like they didn't have a good accounting sure. yeah. of the different libraries and stuff that they were just using. So Equifax was forced to pay $700 million to settle actions with the FTC, the CFPB, and all 50 states related to the Log4j security vulnerability. That happened in January of this year. Oh, so do we have a potential... I'll throw a link. Yeah, link it up. Let's link it up. We'll double check it. We got to make sure we get it okay, right. Okay, here, I, I see. Let's see. Wes is on it. Wes is on it, ladies and gentlemen. 
you know, you have to consider January dollars versus December dollars too. inflation adjusted, right? <laughs> I think he still got it, though. If it was 700 million. Drew had one more prediction while we looked that up, uh, which I which is a easy didn't happen one. I predict that in 2022, System 76 will release keycap sets in different colorways and profiles for the launch keyboard. I feel like I thought this one was going to happen because I thought he had inside information on this one. I think we all suspected that. Yeah. yeah. I think this is more of a hope prediction than a prediction prediction. <laughs> what we did get were multiple launches. I have here in my hands as we record right now, the launch heavy, which includes the num keypad and the big USB-C. And they, they also have the smaller launch now. So we did get multiple launches, but we didn't get any keycap, different like colored keycaps and stuff. Yeah, we did. Just not a complete set. We got yeah. some. Yeah, there's blue, but that's not, that's, he was thinking like pink and different colors and stuff like that. We did get a, you get, there's like red, blue for a couple of buttons. I've got them here in the box, but it's like for just a certain a couple of keys. All right, Wes, did you get a chance to double check on that? Can we give this win to Drew on the log for J vulnerability? This could be a nice one. Unfortunately, at least not from this FTC article. This seems to be a warning reminding folks that the FTC has and will find people that don't patch. And so after Log4J came out, this is them sort of saying, hey, remember how much we find Equifax? Well, uh, better patch your ass. Sorry, Drew. This is a close one, though. Linode.com slash unplugged. That's where you go to get $100 in 60-day credit on a new account. And it's a great way to support the show while you're checking out fast, reliable cloud hosting with the best support in the business. Real humans all day, every day even the holidays. And of course, I have to acknowledge they're also really well-priced. 30 to 50% cheaper than the hyperscalers out there that want to lock into those crazy platforms. You guys know what I'm talking about. And I think I might have a new platform for 2023. So tell me what you think about it. Go spin up a Linode and try a little Nextcloud. Everyone should at least try a little Nextcloud once. Maybe it doesn't work for you. Maybe it does. But when you go to linode.com slash unplugged, you got a hundred big ones right there you can play with. You can set something up and really actually kick the tires and see if Nextcloud's for you. And I'm going to give you a pro tip. Do what I do now. I'll tell you when not to do what I do, but do like I do on this one. Just put your Nextcloud like on a tail scale or a WireGuard VPN or a Nebula VPN. Just put it somewhere private like that. And you're just going to incredibly improve your security profile. Linode makes it super fast and easy to deploy Nextcloud to one click. Well, actually it's one click, and then you answer all the basics that you need to have a good Nextcloud instance, and then you deploy it. Same with Mastodon. They just recently added Mastodon, refreshed it, worked with the upstream project, got that thing dialed in. Now it's just click, fill out a few questions, deploy. And with $100, you can actually try that. And on top of all of that, great performance, 11 data centers to choose from, a dozen more going on next year. They are their own ISP, so they got like 40 gigabit connections coming to the hypervisors. The way I explain how fast it is, is updates will slam down on your rig faster than your SSH terminal can probably stream the information to you. That's how fast their, their connection is. And their disks, MVME, super fast disks. They got AMD Epic CPUs. They also have really lean, mean fighting machines. If you just want something simple for yourself, a family, maybe a little gaming server, a little portfolio, maybe you took some family pictures, you want to throw them online on an open source gallery, you could throw up a little nanode for that. It works really well. It's what we use for everything we've deployed in the last three years. It's what we put our new website on. Anything that's going to be public-facing, all that kind of stuff. Back-end services for the guys that are all remote. We put it all in Linode. Front-end and back-end. Top to bottom. The full maneuver over at Linode. And you could try it too. Get that 100 bucks. Linode.com slash unplugged. Go give them a little holiday cheer. Everybody who listens just loves Linode. That's why they keep coming back. I think you're going to like it too. I have a pretty good sense. You're going to really like it. Linode.com slash unplugged. We have one baller boost this week, and we're kind of doing things out of order. So not all the boosts are in this episode. Not everything's in here. But we had one really fantastic boost that, that came into the show from George, and he sent in 150,000 sats. Hey, hey guys, longtime listener, first-time booster, and brand-new Jupiter.Party member. I'm also somewhat of a crypto enthusiast. And Chris, this boost is for you. These sats are actually started life as Ethereum, and then were so swapped through a decentralized Thor chain into native Bitcoin. Think of this as an olive branch from the Ethereum and DeFi community to you. I promise it's not all scams and crap coins. All the best to the whole Jupiter Broadcasting team. I can't wait for more great content in 2023. Oh, Yeah, I agree there is something great about decentralized financing. The, the trick is, 
you start talking about, you know, Ethereum through the Thor chain to the Bitcoin, like it just, I think people glaze over a little bit. So I think once all that stuff is just implementation details and it's, you go into a UI and you say this to this, and maybe, you know, in some places that this is really the case, you still have to kind of be hip to the language. But once you no longer have to be hip to the language, I could see that being available to the masses, George. Thank you. I wasn't sure we were going to have a baller boost this episode because we're on a Tuesday. Yeah. We still like way out of way. It's been a couple of days since the episode just came out. And uh, so we'll have, I think I'm tempted to say, guys, when we when we restart, we should probably consider a feedback heavy episode again. I know we just did one kind of recently, but because we've been recording out of order, stuff has been coming to the show like email and boost and comments. And we, we're not recording in order, so they're not getting covered on the show. So I was thinking maybe we might might do that soon. I'd like people's thoughts on that because I enjoy those feedback episodes too. Seems better to address them now than later. That's true. Good point there, Wes. Let's get into our predictions this year. So, gentlemen, you know the format. We could talk about it a little bit, but then you eventually got to lock it in and that's what's going to be held accountable. So you, we could talk it out, but ultimately you're going to have to give me a concise lock in and we'll do that. And then we'll move on to the next prediction. And Brent, since you had to go first last round, you get to start this round with your first prediction, sir. Hmm. Let's call this a JB prediction. I predict that, Chris, you will find a tiling manager to fulfill your wish of having not a full tiling manager, but tiling only on specific desktops, virtual desktops, or specific monitors. And I'm thinking maybe KD's been working on this, so you might find it in Plasma as a home for you, or maybe as a stretch. Maybe New Cosmic might come out and have something like this for you. God, I hope you're right on this one. And so you're not saying I run it. It's not my primary. You're just saying at some point it comes out and I get to try it out. Well, there's the measurable part, isn't it? So I have to come up with a way that we can assert or measure your your usage there. So I think the thing that's easy to measure is that did it ship or not, regardless if any of us ended up using it. But is the plasma stuff, I know they're, they're, they're toying with some of that. Has it shipped yet? I mean, you could do it with KWIN scripts already, kind of, sort of. And I do know they're thinking about building that in. I don't know, though. I think this would need to be a feature that you might actually use, right? Isn't that part of Brent's thing here, right? It's talking about like okay, that. Yeah, you've had a wish to find this for the last few years. And I, I, I think that wish will be fulfilled is really the essence of this prediction. Because you're clearly not using KWIN scripts that much, right? You yeah, might yeah. Do a little, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe it's something you install on your workstation upstairs. Okay. Exponent and DWM can both do this already this is a little hairy we gotta we gotta we gotta make this a little simpler don't we i think i think i think you're not i think you're onto something it's something i try and use i was gonna give it two weeks two weeks is like a hey i tried it but i liked it enough to keep trying it i don't know it's i don't know See, this is where you and i went wrong before <laughs> is it? because if you just if you just drop the two weeks off and they say it's just one i try predictions easy to measure it's one but if we want to measure how long i use it then we have to find a way at the end of next year to account for how long I use that desktop environment. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also worry that like that could just mean because because he has so many machines, right? Like he can he might install it and play with it for a bit for the show, and then he just doesn't get to it to remove it until a couple weeks later, even if he wasn't using it. Yeah. So I say if you drop off the time thing, but say I try it, I think that's a good enough qualifier that we can measure. Is that not too easy? How could it be too easy? How could it be? How can it be too easy if it literally does not even exist right now? Oh, okay. okay, it, okay. How, how can that make it easy? It's, it doesn't exist. And even if it lands in plasma, I may not end up using it. And, I, and it may or may not end in cosmic. Like, we really have no idea at this point. It's not easy. Here's the way to make it measure how to make this actually work. Chris keeps it on his computer. Oh. Because that's the only qualifier we can use to measure that it was successful. Does he mm-hmm. have? Yeah. That's true. And if it, if it was successful, I would always leave it on on Workspace 2 and probably 3. That's very true. Well, hey, Chris, I have a proposition. Okay. What is it, Nev? I generate a NixOS configuration <laughs> with with a pre-configured desktop environment using Exponet at the base <laughs> and then just give it to you. I mean, that seems like by far the closest to something he yeah. might actually try that has been Yeah, if there's an easy way for me to then deploy that on a machine and try it, give that a go. <laughs> but that would be cheating. What? I've got time to fool around with that shenanigans. I'm not using an no matter. All right, Brent, you got to lock this thing and we got to move on. We can't take an hour on one prediction. So you ready to lock it in? Well, I think you should help me pare it down first. There's a lot of like what ifs here. You know, I think what you have here in the doc kind of works if you just tweak it a little bit. So Chris is going to find a tiling desktop manager 
that does per virtual desktop tiling that he ends up sticking with. Define sticking with. How do you measure sticking with? As we were reviewing before, like, what about, but, you know, when we review the predictions next year, he's Am still I using, using it. it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's oh, okay, the okay, and, okay. Oh, I like that. Should probably make it clear that we're that I'm still using it by next year. By next year's prediction episode. Yeah. You ready to give it a go? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Lock it in, Brett. Chris will find a tiling desktop manager that does per monitor or his favorite per virtual desktop tiling and have it installed at the time of next year's predictions episode. That's our first one locked. I'm excited to find out what happens. I love your next prediction. I really hope this comes true. Go ahead and give it. Give us your pitch. See if anybody has any issues. All right. Yes. I find it hard to distinguish between predictions and hopes and dreams. So here we go. I believe System 76, or I predict System 76, will begin development of an in-house laptop hardware. And the evidence of that will be some CAD designs that are committed to their public repositories, similar to what they do with Athelio. Ooh, this is a spicy one, Brent. I like this because I feel like when you and I and Wes were last at the uh, System 76 factory, things were maybe it was a time before things were a kind of like it was launch and then on the laptop but then the whole supply chain thing happened mm -hmm. and i think they kind of went into survival mode parts became less available not only that but like availability kept changing from out underneath them and i think i would guess the laptop just went on hold but maybe that's clearing up now well i found it hard to when i was authoring this prediction and pondering it for the last few days i, I found it hard to say that they would release it because that feels just super tight considering the the environment we've been in in the last year. But to start and really make it at least some public development in that direction, I feel like maybe is realistic. All right. What about they make driver code for it? We always we always do overshoot this stuff. So yeah. what if we did something like that? Like software related to the laptop is either upstreamed or published on their GitHub. Well. How do you distinguish that from what they're currently doing? They'd have to be transparent that it is for the laptop hardware, right? Yeah. Okay, there's a distinction to be had here. My initial prediction had to do with in-house case designs based on, you know, the things they've learned around the launch keyboard, you know, some of the aluminum work that they've done. So I was thinking more physical hardware that you touch in terms of like case designs not necessarily a uh, from the ground up sort of laptop yeah but i think this has legs too doesn't it the software in relation to that that new development the drivers are probably more likely than the schematics because the drivers don't necessarily quote unquote have to be associated with a particular model but they are indicative of them actually doing something that requires code to be changed to support the product. So what about code code related to a System76 laptop development goes public in 2022? It's pretty concise, pretty easy to measure. Just got to check their GitHub. Let's do it. And All I, right. I bet we'll find, you know, if it does happen, I bet we'll uh, there'll be some sort of news about it, perhaps yeah. on a, a related show to this one. Hmm. Hmm. All right, Brent, lock it in. I predict that in 2023, code related to a new System76 laptop will be released on their public GitHub. All right. I would love to see that. I really would. I'd love to see that enter the market. Okay, Mr. Payne, I was curious to see what you're going to come up with. What <laughs> is your first uh, 2023 prediction? I thought it was time to recycle an oldie, but a goodie. All right. I predict that FS will be merged into mainline Linux sometime during 2022. Wow. God, I hope so. Because it's just like, it's been so many years now and it's getting really close. We're at the final bits. You know, you and I have been following the development pretty closely. You mean 23, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I totally do. I've got 22 um, on the brain still. And I think that's that's pretty doable. Seems like just based on Kent's most recent updates, that seems pretty doable. God, I hope so. Yeah, I think he's still the only person working on it. And I know that one of the things he mentioned in his latest status report is that his main condition for being able to upstream it is to get more contributors working on the code first. Here's hoping that happens. All right, I think you could lock that in Let's as is. Let's lock it in. All right, here All we right, go. Go gonna... for it, West Payne. I predict that FS will be merged into mainline Linux 
sometime during 2023. Uh, I hope you're right. I'd love to run that on like a Raspberry Pi, maybe a laptop, SSD. Mm. Okay, so you got another one in there for us? Yeah, here's one I uh, I hope doesn't come true. Okay. I predict a vulnerability related to eBPF or IOU ring will be announced uh, that has a CVSS score of seven or higher. Oh, uh-huh. I love this prediction. Wow. Because this is the new hotness in the kernel, ripe for people to bang on. And with a uh, CVS score, we can just go check. Like, we can go check the numbers and see if they ever issued anything related to EPPF. And IOU ring, those two different categories, but I think it's good to lump them together because they are the new hotness. A little more surface area to, you know, maybe catch yeah. catch yeah. something here. Yeah. And it can do incredible things. So if you could exploit that, you could do incredible things. All right. All right. I have no contentions. You want to lock it in? All right. Go for it. I predict that a vulnerability related to eBPF or IOU ring will be announced sometime in 2023, and it will have a CVSS score of seven or higher. I hope not. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hope you're wrong on that one. I hope you're wrong on that. You got a bonus prediction in there. Yeah. Just a fun little prediction. Uh-huh. I thought I'd throw in because this way we get to check next year and it'll be fun to talk about. I predict that over the course of 2023, the Linux Foundation will announce at least 20 new foundations. I'm going to lock that one right in. I think that's, a, that's an easy one. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a foundation. Oh, my gosh. They'll probably actually do it, too. Like, I think they did like three or four this year. Three or four a quarter, I think, is what they did. <laughs> it's really something. It's quite impressive. All right. Well, for my first prediction, pretty easy to measure. I'm going to be really disappointed if it doesn't happen, boys. SteamOS is available for download. The official genuine SteamOS from Valve. Okay. And like, is there any matter of like hoops you got to go through? Do you have to like have an account or is it just like a website's there? I can go get an ISO like we're used to for most distros. God, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they make you like log into your Steam account or something, but I don't know if I want to include that because once the ISO is out there, it's out there. Well, you're assuming it's going to be an ISO. It might not be, because the way that they've designed SteamOS, I don't think it's particularly amenable to being an install ISO. Maybe, maybe, maybe. So like an ISO or, or, ISO or uh, just like a disk, a release, disk image? A way to get it is what mm-hmm. I'm thinking. They have to, otherwise there's just going to be more community spins. We already know a couple that are out there. And if they don't release it officially, the community is just going to take matters into their own hands and it's just going to grow. Is that a bad thing? No, uh, but if you put your corporate strategy hat on, I don't think it is a good thing. I think the reason why you create SteamOS is because you want to create a reliable common platform that game developers can know and trust. And the best case scenario is that as many people are using that target platform as possible. And if you start having a whole bunch of fragmented different versions with slight differences in implementations, I think that's bad for Valve and what they're trying to accomplish here. And the only way to get ahead of that is to release SteamOS in time to prevent that from happening. And they've already are a year behind. There's only one way to find out, I think. So yeah, should I lock it in? SteamOS is available for download, do you think? You will have to define uh, SteamOS 3 because SteamOS 2 is available for download, but it's the Debian-based version. All right, I will make that clear right now. I predict in 2023, Valve will make their Arch-based SteamOS monster available for general download. I hope. I'd love to get my hands on that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this next one just seems like it's kind of, you know, I'm looking at the trends. This is where maybe Drew went sideways with the log for j vulnerability. But I'm looking at the trends as we, uh, looking at the trends as we round out the new year, or the, this year, whatever the hell it is. And uh, it seems like some sort of GPT-inspired command line is going to get released. Some sort of CLI tooling or using the GPT-3 or GPT-4, I don't know what it'll be at the time, backend to try and make your command line experience better and easier than ever and guess what you're trying to write and help you auto-complete your bash and it's just going to be the best thing ever and it'll be generally available, start probably as a beta and then you'll install this and it'll become like a shell or something. It'll be some sort of CLI tooling to help aid your command line adventures and it's going to be powered by GPT-3 to have kind of a conversational thing. So instead of saying you know, uh, PS-AUX, you'll just say, what are my running processes? And it'll come back with a PS of your running processes. 
And I think, I don't know if it's going to take off. I don't know if it's going to get more than 10 users, but I think somebody's going to give it a go because there's going to be a lot of stabs at trying to integrate this into our tooling, I think. So you mean like Houston, the GPT-3 based AI terminal assistant? No. <laughs> is that really a thing already? <laughs> I think it's going to be post-diction. So it's a category, obviously, for 2023. Um, it's clearly going to be a category. Uh, I wonder. It, it, it got a commit two hours ago. <laughs> I, got, I got an alternative. Really? Okay. So I think it's going to be called the conversational interface for the command line or something like that. What do they call it? This is, I did not know about Houston. Does that disqualify my prediction or could we see more? And if we see others develop, then the prediction still I out. think you need to refine your prediction into something a little bit more over the moon. Yeah, it's a little it's a little tricky. This does seem to be quite Houston does seem to be quite similar to what you've predicted. And there has I mean, there has been a lot of other sort of I could see where Neil's coming from. Like uh, if you got got something designed around that and ships a whole application package, it's not just something you. Yeah, like it's not just a little additional thing that you run in your bash shell. It's it's a whole new interface that you're using like i know there's been stuff like warp and yeah that has its own terminal something like that but designed around it and that could be it is it's it's it seems like the reason why i didn't want to make it a standalone application but maybe i'm wrong looking at houston's a thing so maybe this is fine is my thought was it's a lot of the models it's a lot to download and install locally whereas if it was something you installed on your box that connected to a cloud instance that's actually running all the modeling. Sort of like when you do voice dictation on your phone, how sometimes it does some of that locally and sometimes it's actually uploading to the cloud and doing the dictation in the cloud and then sending the results back to the phone. That's what I would imagine something on the command line to do tooling would be like. Yeah, I think that's what these are doing. Okay. Yeah, because you got to have like an open AI AI key. Here's one that you'll like this. Uh, Please, please CLI, PLZ, uses GPT-3 and it's uh, written in Rust. Really? Yeah. Oh. Well, now we got it. Now we have to try these in a future episode. Yeah, that would be interesting. So I, I could just kick this prediction to the curb. I don't mind getting rid of this one either, because uh, this seems like it's already happening. I, you know what? By the way, my workflow for this, which is all offline, which is really great, is I installed the Nextcloud Notes app on my uh, Pizel Seven, and then uh, just. When I thought of something, I opened it up, took the note in there, and then when it came time to put them in the dock, I went and opened up the text file on the NextCloud web instance. And just copied it right over. Yeah. Super nice. That is nice. Worked real good for capturing my notes and my thoughts. Okay, how about this one? How about I take a different track? Because I do have an alternative prediction in here. And that is that we'll have an open AI search engine to compete with Google that's available to anyone. No account required. You go to something that's like a short word dot com or whatever and you just do your search there no api key no account required it's just a general open to the public perhaps labeled beta open ai search engine so something that could function as a competitor even if in beta to google bing etc yeah if you went over to chat gpt right now and and said uh who makes the best brand of motor oil it would tell you who makes the best brand of motor oil If you go over to Google right now and ask it who makes the best brand of motor oil, at best, it's going to give you a list of five or six, maybe some some advertisements and some blog spam. And people want the actual answer. And people that are not computer users already ask Google things in conversational prompts. So they're already doing it that way. And if you ask ChatGPT a question, generally, I don't know if it's right or not, it'll give you the answer. And you can ask it about brand information. You can ask it about best reviewed. You can get specific and it correlates all those different reviews. It looks at the stuff and it gives you an answer in a way that Google just simply can't. Are you trying it right now? Okay, Wes is trying it right now. Are you asking if what's the best brand of motor oil is? I've never tried that search, but. Chris, I asked it Wolfram Alpha. Assuming motor oil is a material, uh, input interpretation, Texaco, EC, uh, Eco, SAE, uh, brand name, blah, blah, blah. Trade name is Eco. Description is motor oil. It gives you all the information, not specifically in a text re- result, but it does It needs to do an NLP result. A competitive, alternative, preferably open source search engine product that uses this kind of technology to give human comprehensible answers to human comprehensible questions. I'd do that, but it's just not going to win. I'm here to win. I'm bringing my A game. 
No, no one you're, here to, you're here to shoot the moon. No, you're no. not here to win. No, I'm, I gotta He's win got to win this vision one. and drive. Listen, I could take a couple of years of losses, but I want to win. I want to win next year. And I think an open AI search engine is going to happen. I just think it's not going to be open source. In fact, I think I don't. This is not my prediction, but I expect looking at the trends over next year, the license of a lot of this technology and the back end license in particular is going to become more and more of a hot topic because they call themselves open AI. How do I get the models? Anyways, what do you think, Wes? An open AI search engine open to the general public, perhaps under beta, but available to the general public. Should that be my prediction instead, since we killed my other baby? That I mean, that works for me. Whew. Jeez, the things a guy's got to do around here. All right. I predicted 2023, an open AI search engine will be available to the general public. We'll see. We'll see. I'm exhausted. <sighs> it's, you know... Making good predictions, that's a lot of darn work. Yeah. All right. So, Neil, uh, I want to give everybody the chance to get one prediction in because we could otherwise go forever. So do you have a top prediction for 2023 that you'd like to slip into the show? Yeah. I'm going to shoot for the moon, and it might or might not happen, but let's go for it anyway. I predict that in 2023, Canonical will announce that Ubuntu will use ButterFS by default after choosing to deprecate and retire the ZFS integration that they did this year. That's a good wow. one. All right. Oh. Yeah. I think all meal. three of us wish we would have called that one. That's a good one. Dang it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. They've got to be right. Cause they've been slowly, quietly backing away from their ZFS tooling. They don't seem to be investing in that anymore. They just, they filed a, um, a launch pad bug in the spring, uh, just before 2204 launch to remove ZSYS from the system and remove the integration from Subiquity and Ubiquity. So uh, my my thought is that, well, you know, when we talked about, like, I will be a happy camper when Ubuntu adopts ButterFS, I, I really do think that maybe next year they might actually do it. That'd be, that'd be nice. Let's, let's hope so. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it before. Uh, they, you know, they pivoted to Wayland. Uh, they jump from Upstart to System D. It's possible. It's totally possible. All right, Dev, give us your prediction. Okay, so in 2023, JB will deploy on a server somewhere, whether it be a physical server or VPS, free BSD. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like it. That is shooting for the moon right there. I tell you what. <laughs> I wonder what, wonder what the, uh, I guess, you know what? If we did it in the course of content to do a comparison or something like that in a show, that would count. That would count. And I could see that happening. Yeah. Sounds fun, actually. It, that's a super easy one to win. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. Bybitten, you have a prediction? Give it to us. In 2023, an AI text-to-prompt engine will be used to configure Linux systems. I think you could see that. Um, people are already almost writing entire automations in Home Assistant using ChatGPT, which I really want to play with that, because that could be a great way to get started with writing automations. And that's all just YAML, right? It's just kicking out YAML, and I guess it's just read probably thousands of examples online. And oh God, we've made YAML so bad that now we need the machines to write the YAML yeah. for us. Well, before I was just copying and pasting from Stack Overflow, so maybe this is better. So I, I wanted to cover a couple of trends that we kind of have our eye on that didn't really make it into a prediction, but I think are just interesting to talk about, and I would imagine will continue over 2023. Uh, Noster clients may be showing up for the Linux desktop. Noster just got... 14 Bitcoin from Jack Dorsey, and it's a uh, decentralized social media protocol, I guess. I think that a noser basically stands for notes that are relayed, something to that effect. I think the other trend you're going to see is just a continuation of decentralized front ends to centralized services. An interesting example of this is Knitter, which are self-implemented Twitter front ends that allow you to view Twitter threads logged out. And when one gets shut down, four more pop up. And that's, that's, it allows you to kind of jump into maybe a, a, a topical discussion that you're interested in without having to participate directly in the Twitter ecosystem. Another example, Google search, W-H-O-O-G-L-E, is a self-hosted, I want to cover it on the show in the future, a self-hosted Google front end that anonymizes your Google searches. So you run this on your LAN. You go to that web page and do your search. It's kind of doing like this back end Google search for you and then delivering you the results. Another example is Lib Reddit. 
same idea. It is a web-hosted front end that you run on your land that on the back end is going and retrieving the actual subreddits you want to view and displaying them to you. And so it's a way to kind of gain a little bit of privacy and reduce the tracking and reduce all the crap they're running on your machine while still participating in these really popular centralized services. Right, but get a little bit more control over the, you know, the delivery and how you interact with it, which is, is important. Another service we've seen a lot is Invidious. It's been around for a while, but Chris, you, you challenged me to trying this libredirect plugin for Firefox, and I'm sure it's available for other browsers. And it's been fascinating to sort of browse the internet with this thing. It broke a few little things, but for the most part, Chris, it's been pretty good. Yeah, that's that's a good example, too. Of That shows you a whole litany of services that have kind of been stood up as alternatives or redirects. And I think decentralization in general is going to continue to be a big term that we just see kicked around by people that were never saying decentralization before. And I think it's you're going to see it manifest, of course, in social media. But I think the logic around social media and the and the issues with centralized platforms will begin to take hold. People are going to realize that Twitter is a 1.0 of social media. Anything centralized like Twitter is always going to inherently have flaws and biases. Could be for some periods of time in one direction, and then it radically flips to another direction. There's always going to be a constant source of friction there because it's controlled by a central group of people. And it's trying to reflect the world of decentralized opinions and ideas and cultures. It's just never going to work. It's a flawed design. And I think as people begin to realize that, more and more people will understand and appreciate the value of decentralizing these services and having decentralized communities. And uh, they'll start advocating for decentralization more. And I think that's going to be a great thing. And we'll be sitting here the entire time going, we've, we, that's what we've been saying the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a prediction that will yeah. definitely come true. Bitwarden.com slash Linux. Go there to get started with a free trial for a team or as an individual, try it for free. Bitwarden.com slash Linux. Bitwarden is the easiest way for yourself or a business, maybe an open source team, to store, share, and sync sensitive data. And Bitwarden is open source. It's trusted by millions of individuals, teams, organizations. It's what Wes and I use. It's a step above all of the other password managers out there. And some of the other password managers out there have recently had some really, really, really bad news. I was a user years ago of that particular one, but I realized it's just, it's too risky. And I think it's really unfortunate that people will use a non-open source password manager. For something this important, you need to be able to trust that there's many eyes. And Bitwarden has had people audit the code multiple times. The open source community is always checking it out. Bitwarden also is continually improving. They're always adding new features. They've got standardized, great, solid local encryption done locally before it uploads to the Bitwarden cloud. You could also deploy your own Bitwarden sync server if you like. There is some self-hosted options. You're on your own there, but it's actually available. And there's a decent-sized community that can support that. That's a nice option. Bitwarden offers that. The competitors don't. Bitwarden also is continually improving the mobile client, so the experience on mobile is a notch above everybody else. It makes it really simple and easy to use a complicated username and password and a unique email address for every site, service, and app that I use. And it integrates with any BioD, BioID stuff you might use. Like uh, for me, fingerprint reader on the iPhone, uh, it was Face ID. And it just makes autofilling that even faster. Now with quick users switching, I can switch between my JB profile and my, and my home profile. I mean, it's just like super smooth. It's butter smooth, you might say. It's butter FS smooth. That's what I say. It's worth a try. They're constantly getting better. And they just recently did a little review of the uh, privacy rankings for the five top music streaming services, you know, top five ranked by total users. And they wanted to get an idea of like how privacy respecting, how good at their security practices are they? That's up on the Bitwarden blog. If you're curious about that, I'll put a link in the show notes if you'd like to read that. Cause I, you know, if you're going to use these things, that's a good thing to consider. Bitwarden's got their eye on the ball here. I think you're really going to like it. Go try it out, support the show. And if you've got something like this or you're already using Bitwarden, you know, you know, somebody either needs to move off the other options out there that are having a bad week, or they just need something in general, send them to bitwarden.com slash Linux. Support the show by going to bitwarden.com slash Linux. We did get a little bit of feedback in here, eh? Hey there, Brent? We sure did. Tux Gear Jammer sent in a little note saying, never have I ever used anything other than OpenSUSE. I went from Windows NT4 to OpenSUSE 9 or 10. 
can't remember exactly, but it's been a while. And they also added, I would send a boost in, but I haven't quite figured that out yet as truck driving is a 24-hour job. It sure is. Sure is. Well, thanks for the feedback, Tux Gear Jammer. Uh, wow. Only ever using one distro. That sounds like paradise in yeah, a way. So simple. So, so nice. clean. Everything's just an open source like world. It's all in that world. Joss wrote in, I heard recently that you were looking for an alternative to meetup.com. For about three years now, my lug in upstate South Carolina Linux users group has been using Get Together. That's gettogether.community. And we really enjoy it. On their website, they say, Get Together is an open source event manager for local communities. They host their service for free, and their BSD license Python code is available on GitHub. And in the About link, you can find all the information there. I especially like that the meeting descriptions can be written in Markdown. Oh, that's nice. We did try it. We tried it. The barbecue that we did last year in January. Ah, right. We used Get Together as a test. And there was a lot of complaints. So oh, we no. didn't use it again. Yeah, I wouldn't mind looking at it again, especially if we could self-host it. Because one of the key things we'd like to see is a way for community members to self-organize their own meetups. Yeah, maybe we can't go, but that doesn't mean y'all can't get together. Every single meetup we go to, this following series of events happen. A group of the people at the meetup decide, we need to do this all the time. Let's meet up all the time, even if the JB crew isn't here. And then they're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we should do that. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Oh, yeah, let's do that. If at that point in time in the conversation, we could say, go here to this URL and organize it right now. Yeah, that would just be the best. It would happen. But what what ends up happening is four out of five times, they all just kind of drift and it doesn't happen. You go back to your lives, you know, the moment of the magic is lost. To some credit, though, I was just peeking in at the uh, West Coast crew in the Matrix chat room, and there has been some self-organizing meetups going on in there. So that is actually happening. It's pretty great to see. Uh, yeah, we'll look at it again, I think, you know, because otherwise we're going to have to like build our own damn thing. And now it is time for the boost. All right. So this is a limited set of the boost because this predictions particular episode recorded at a time. And uh, we said if you boosted in with 2023 sats, that would be uh, a key to us to like, oh, this is for a prediction. Or you just got to make it clear in your boost. And Magnolia Mayhem, amongst many boosts this week, but boosted in with uh, 2023 sats and said certain political events over the last couple of years We'll have a bump on the number of VPN commercials I'm seeing have had a bump. And I'm putting my 2023 sats on an increase in privacy considerations for normies. To quantify, I'm guessing a healthy 20% increase in password managers, VPNs, and related company revenue. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if any company is going to have 20% increase in revenue over 2023. I have to be honest with you. That would be a remarkable year uh, for 2023. But. I do get your general uh, gist, which is as we have these major breaches, we get a whole new round of users that all of a sudden care about their privacy. Like for me, even though I've talked about it for years, that New York Times article about the dad taking the pictures of the kid crotch for the telemedicine changed your life. I could take a picture of a kid crotch. Who knows? Haven't yet in 13 years, but you never know. And I don't want to get my old Google account shut down. So now I'm off. I'm off. So that everybody has their moment. Soul Trust came in with 2023 sets. I predict YouTube will begin charging for 4K videos. Oh, spicy. This is a good one. I've heard from multiple providers that their bandwidth costs are going up. That like somewhere in the stack, low in the bowels of the internet, somehow switches that they've owned for 15 years are all of a sudden costing them more than they ever have before. Have you seen this kind of in the world that you work in? Have you seen an increase in like costs for like hosting providers and bandwidth providers and CDNs? Because I sure am seeing it for the stuff we do for JB. Yeah, I suppose so. Although it's a little hard to tell with the uh, general rising prices, I suppose. Yeah, YouTube has already announced that they're blo- that they're locking it behind a uh, premium paywall. Wow! So it is happening now. I don't know when this boost came in. I didn't grab the date, but uh, maybe they work for YouTube and <laughs> they sent it in before YouTube announced it. <laughs> NorCalGeek boosted in with 2023 sats. I predict another major Linux distribution besides OpenSUSE or Fedora will release an immutable-based desktop OS. Oh. That would be pretty cool. I'd love it to be an Arch-based. Does, does SteamOS count here? I was going to say, NorCal, you and I could both win here if, uh, if SteamOS comes out. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, let's go. Sammy boosted in with 42,023 sats. 
Keep the change, you filthy animal. It's a big one. Thank you, Sammy. Greetings, Lep Crew, longtime listener, first time booster. Here's my prediction. With continued reduced Raspberry Pi supply, a new SBC takes the helm as the MVP. The Latte Panda and Odyssey designs with coprocessor microcontrollers are really good candidates for this. I'll tell you what I've been telling people at the family meetups, at the family events over the holidays. Odroid 3, baby. This actually happened. Multiple people came up to me and said, Chris, I can't get a Raspberry Pi. They're like over 100 bucks. What's going on? And I said to them, write it off. Give them another nine months. Go get an Odroid. Intel-based processor, modern enough Atom CPU. Got quick sync in there. And you ready for this one? And they say, what? And I say to them, two SATA ports. And they say, no. And I say, not only that, NVMe slot. And they say, what? And I say, two SATA ports and an NVMe slot. No SD card. And they're sold. Every time. You've come a long way on your journey. I know. It's like you've rediscovered ports. I, I know. And Intel processors. Yeah. And Atoms. Yeah. I know. I know. At this point, you, you kind of need an Odroid like promo code. That's a great idea because I'd love to have a couple more myself. I'd love to get it on a discount. Marshall Miller boosted in with 2023 cents. I predict there will be a new fork created for each of these project mispronunciations. <laughs> what I like about this is if Marshall's real serious about this prediction, they could go fork themselves. Yeah, right. It could. I'd like to see a genome repo that's just it just mirrors the upstream one and just uh, you know changes notes on pronunciation and spelling. I have a proposal for you boys for the new year. What do you say we knock all the shenanigans off and we just stick to the basics, the goodies, Debian, Genome, and the Dave file format? I feel like those are our strongest. But, yeah, it's getting a little out of hand, and I, you know what? Out of respect to Genome and Debian. Because we all know the story of Debian is the founder loved bees. And so the, the and, and the founder's wife loved bees. Yeah, and so uh, and his name started with a D. So next you're going to tell me it's Debian new Linux. No, Linux. God, everybody knows that. Debian stable. Yeah. How do you feel, though? Like, if we just keep it down to the essentials, keep it straight. You got your Dave file format. Everybody knows what a Dave file is. We don't need to explain that. Clearly, Genome. We don't want to mispronounce that. Nope. And Debian. And we just keep it simple for 2023. I'm in. I could accept this if we, we also do Giraffine OS. I'd be okay with that. Okay. All right. That's a good negotiation. Sure, sure. I'll accept it. Uh, all right. Moving on. I thought we'd round out the prediction boost uh, with uh, a couple of messages from the show mascot. The Golden Dragon comes in with 10,000 sats. In 2023, I predict that immutable distros will gain a ton of popularity. Another immutable distro. All right. I could see it uh, because, you know, we've been talking about my kid's computer and what I want to do there, and I'm really tempted just to put an old Amoots on there. Hit them up with the Amoots, you know. I did manage to get Fedora sleeping and shutting down. Uh, that took about two hours of pulling out different software and disabling virtualization and fixing all kinds of things, but it's there now. So the Fedora install continues. The Golden Dragon took a dark turn, though, with what he calls his small dark prediction. He says Matrix will abandon the FOSS model soon. Oh, boy, I hope not. I know. And you know what? When I saw that boost, I hadn't seen the blog post from the Matrix Foundation where they're talking about the layoffs and not making enough money. Um, and, you know, I, I hope they come up with something that's palatable for regulars because we are just not the right customers for any of the element hosted services. And I don't want my support for something like that to be through Patreon. And I don't want to spend $100,000 to become a member of the Matrix Foundation. But I want, I like the, what they're making and I want them to continue. Yeah. Uh, then the Golden Dragon rounded it out with a good old classic row of ducks. He says, I'm really glad I joined this community. This has been the most welcoming community that I've ever been a part of. To me, boosting is a small way that I can make a contribution to a podcast that has made a great impact on my day to day. Thanks for another great year of podcasting, and here's to another year. Aww. Well, thank you, Dragon. Thank you. Thank you. We look forward to many more years with you. Yeah. Thanks for kicking off the duck meme in the boost, too. That's been a lot of fun. All right. So that's the end of our predictions episode. We'll revisit this in a year. Seal them, seal them up. Safe. Put them up somewhere safe. See how we did. Put them up on the shelf. And we have to hold ourselves accountable. That's part of the deal here. Yeah. We don't want anyone sneaking in, you know, mid-year predictions or anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brent. Although... I have thought sometimes it would be kind of fun to do a mid-year checkup 
or like renew them. Oh, okay. Because things have changed, right? You know, Let's see if any have hit already. I feel like I should have predicted Flathub goes with paid apps because that seems like it's a lock now. Anyways, we'll see about that. Join us next week. We're back on our regular Sunday time over at Jupiter.tube at uh, noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. LinuxUnplugged.com for the links and subscriptions. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs>